calls Every time I have half a mind to leave you, babe That means I have half a mind to stay It's Pandora's Lunchbox on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Good evening, this is Mike. Pandora's Lunchbox is a show about food, and coincidentally enough, it's 6.30 when this show is scheduled. This is a show about food, as I've mentioned uh, repeatedly, and there's a whole lot to look at this week, a whole lot of things that I'm going to bring to you from various sources. And first of all, let's start off, though, with the fact that there are vegetables everywhere in farmers' markets in the air. Uh, We're going to go to one of the best proponents of vegetable music, the whole surf and vegetable movement. I'm talking about the Beach Boys, and it goes a little something like this. I'm going to be around my vegetables. I'm going to chow down my vegetables. I love you most of all, my favorite vegetable. What's not widely known is that that was the biggest hit the Beach Boys ever had with vegetables in the title. That title was Vegetables. It was by the Beach Boys, and it was the biggest hit. No, I've already been there. This is Pandora's Lunchbox. It's a show about food. Vegetables are flying in the air. And look out. Oh, ow. So I recently went to Omaha, Nebraska to see my folks, and across the border is Council Bluffs, Iowa. But to that in just a second, first of all, to Lansing, Michigan. This will all make sense eventually. Just got word from the Lansing State Journal that Don's Windmill Truck Stop in Diamonddale has closed after 54 years in business. The journal says that for a while, the truck stop with its 24-hour restaurant was the place to be after a night on the town in Diamonddale. The owner says back in the 70s and 80s, they'd have lines out the door. He says, we always set the standard of how to do things fast. People got high-quality food, but they got it good and fast. This prompted the family to open two other Lansing area locations in the 1980s. One called Don's Landmark and the other called Don's Other Place. Unfortunately, those locations were done in by competition. So 
R.I.P. Don's Windmill Truck Stop in Diamond Dell, gone to the large truck stop in the sky. Thank you. But truck stops, traditional truck stops, well, what is a traditional truck stop, really? Truck stops are getting bigger and bigger, but they're all being threatened by chain stores like Starvin Marvin. Actually, I think that chain starved. I haven't seen that in a while, but on and on it goes. Now, meanwhile, in the Lansing State Journal website, there was a question about, it says here, the Sunoco station at the corner of Larch and Saginaw Street. The person said it was closed for a long time, reopened and closed again after a few months. They say, I guess this is just a bad corner for business despite the heavy traffic flow. And then they say, someone has a sense of humor about it, however. They took the large lettered signs in the window that spelled open and rearranged them to say, nope. But there is good news in spite of everything, in spite of the Michigan economy. First of all, the Japanese restaurant Mickey is opening a second restaurant in Ann Arbor called Mickey Campus. That's going to be on South University. And the long vacant corner of Washington, the long vacant corner of the long vacant corner of my mind is now opening. Is now open for business. The long vacant corner of Washington and Michigan Avenue in downtown Ipsy is no longer vacant. Jane Neal's Mongolian Grill has opened about a year and a half after people started hearing about it. The the owner has told the Ypsilanti Citizen News that he will try to stay stocked with as many Michigan-grown vegetables as possible. Hence, vegetables by the Beach Boys. It all makes sense. Now, wasn't I talking about uh, Council Bluffs, Iowa, across the border from Omaha, Nebraska? Should I ask you, or is that just cruel? Yes, I was actually talking about Council Bluffs, Iowa, across the border from Omaha, Nebraska, where I found this single, would you believe? No, no, wait, wait, wait. It's buffering. Oh, my God, it's buffering. Hold on. It's buffering. Just kidding. That's some really weird Beach Boys. Okay, we got to end on a nice note there. Here we go. Now, that's actually a very good transition into this record that I found in Council Bluffs, Iowa. Here comes. Here comes. Thank you. 
I guess that was kind of fitting to play the Beach Boys surreal stuff there, and then that psychedelicish, folkish, popish thing. That's Ypsilanti by Nancy Adams, arranged by Nancy Adams, written by one F. Huddleston, if I read this correctly. It was a 45 from 1967. And if you want to hear that again, just play it back in your mind. Wow. Or you can go to CousinsVinyl.com. They've got a website where you can punch in Nancy Adams Ypsilanti, and you can hear that again, like I just played that actually off the computer. And there's another Ypsilanti song on this website, CousinsVinyl.com. I'm happy to have had the vinyl copy of that Nancy Adams and to have found it in Canesville Collectibles, spelled K, Canesville, and K, Collectibles, the proper spelling, in Council Bluffs, Iowa. But also... There is another song here called Ipsitucky that's on the website by John and Wynn from their album Live at the Casanova. The Casanova was apparently an old business in Ypsilanti. I don't believe it's there anymore. But the phrase Ipsitucky is one that has been controversial. In fact, there is there was an attempt at an Ipsitucky dinner not long ago. It was being held at Zingerman's, but Zingerman's did not endorse that name. The name was chosen by a national group that was doing local foods around the country, and that that was quite controversial. Ipsy-tucky, by some, by some estimations, is a derogatory term for people coming up from Kentucky living in Ypsilanti. We've heard that before. Uh, and I, my, I know someone who works in Hazel Park schools. That's places called Hazel-tucky sometimes. Taylor, Michigan is called Taylor-tucky. And then there's Frederick, Maryland, Frederick being called Fred Neck. And these things are not necessarily very friendly, but There's a debate back and forth. Are they colorful? Are they insulting? What's going on here? There is a group that wants to have an Ipsitucky jamboree in the city of Ypsilanti. And what recently happened, this is according to Ypsilanti Citizen News. Uh, They have a website, ipsicity.com. That's Y-P-S-I-C-I-T-I.com. Two downtown Ypsilanti groups, says here, have passed resolutions opposing the term Ypsilanti, as the name of a bluegrass festival scheduled for September. The Downtown Association of Ypsilanti and the Ypsilanti Downtown Development Authority passed the resolutions yesterday evening and this morning, respectively. Karen Moorer, the YDDA board member, proposed the resolution at this morning's meeting. The resolution states that the use of the name Ipsitucky in a community event is, quote, a derogatory and negative stereotype, and, you know, so it's it's been an, a discussion back and forth a group called the a smaller group in Ypsilanti called the Depot Town Community Development Corporation said they wanted to keep the name Ipsitucky for their bluegrass jamboree in September, and they said that they're willing to make compromises to look into it and discuss it. So we'll keep you posted. And in the meantime, just to keep you thinking, here is the song Ipsitucky by John and Wynn, and it is a very tasteful, very, very thoughtful and thought-provoking song. Goes like this. Rolling. Rolling. Well, I sure am lucky. I was born in Ipsitucky, where the airlines are flying in the street. Everybody lives in bars and they're driving great big cars, and the miniature is so late, no feller weak. Now, Ma and Paul left old Kentucky way back in 43. Came to build the bombers and 
Lee's a family. They was first to emigrate and came a whole slew more. They surely grew a slew of us and the population soared. Well, I sure am lucky. I was born in Kentucky where the neon lights are blinding in the street. Everybody lives in bars and they're driving great big cars and the mini skirts only a dollar a week. I never had no chores to do. I even went to school. Started sporting fancy clothes. They called me Elmer Cool. Man, I went to all them dances. And I danced with all the gals. When finally I did graduate. Had whiskers on my jaws. Oh, jaws. Well, I sure am. Job in the auto factory. Married me a pretty gal. Now we have 23. If and you're in the neighborhood, stop in and have some grub. Just holler in the toilet room. I'm sleeping in the tub. Well, I sure am lucky. I was born in Kentucky where the neon lights are blinding. Well, there it is. The sentiments expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of, of the regents of the University of Michigan. This is Pandora's Lunchbox, a show about food. I've been Mike for as long as I'm willing to admit it, and Ipsitaki is the song. It's called Ipsitaki, and that's why it's Ipsitaki. It's by John and Wynn. It's from an old, old LP called Live at the Casanova, which is also the name of the record label, Casanova, and the establishment, Casanova, on at 11 West Michigan Avenue, which apparently has gone to the great Casanova in the sky. Now, we're also looking at other food news around the world, especially North Carolina. Authorities in North Carolina say a store owner and a patron thwarted a teen accused of trying to carry out a robbery by concealing a banana beneath his shirt to resemble a gun. Winston-Salem authorities say 17-year-old John Swalla entered the Internet Cafe last Thursday and demanded money, saying he had a gun. The owner, Bobby Ray Mabe, said he and a customer jumped Swalla, holding him until the deputies arrived. When they waited, while they waited, Mabe says the teen ate the banana. Mabe says deputies took pictures of the peel. Swalla says Swalla faces a charge of attempted armed robbery. Jail officials say he doesn't have an attorney. But he does have a song, and this is a song that has nothing to do with this whatsoever. It's called Chiclet Com Banana. It is a collect from a collection of songs dedicated to the artist Jackson Do Pandiero. And the singer is now, I believe it's Gal Costa. Perhaps it's Jal Costa, and I wish I could have checked into this before I went on the air. But nonetheless, great singer, great song. This is Chiclet Com Banana. <laughs> Só ponho bebop no meu 
quero ver o tio Gal Costa, and that is Chiclet con Banana. That is from the BMG Brazil record label, and it's not really a song about the banana thief or the would-be banana robber, but nonetheless, it is a great song. This is Pandora's Lunchbox. Coming up in 10 minutes, it'll be time to face the music, but now it's 10 minutes to 7, and that'll be at 7, so it's that's in 10 minutes. Some very cool news actually came my way recently. A, a book called Stealing Buddha's Dinner was selected for the as the Great Michigan Read by the Michigan Humanities Council. This is a book written by Grand Rapids native Bitman Nguyen. Her last name is spelled N-G-U-Y-E-N. It's a book about a book chronicling her migration from Vietnam in 1975 and her coming of age in Grand Rapids in the 1980s. And the book, again, is called Stealing Buddha's Dinner. It's a memoir, and I got a copy of it at a library. I'll bring it back soon so you can check it out if you want to. But I wanted to read just a passage of that to you. The allure of the fruits, their roundness, aliveness, enchanted my sister and me, but the choicest pieces went first to a plate that lay before the golden statue of Buddha in the living room. This was the altar for him and for our dead relatives to whom my grandmother paid respect every morning and evening. My father had built a shelf for the Buddha, who sat perpetually smooth, peaceful, eyes closed, his palms facing up. The fruit made a solemn offering, and for two whole days, sometimes longer, it had to remain there untouched between Grandma Noy's candles and stems of incense. I was in awe of this process. Did Buddha and the ancestors know the fruit was there for the taking? Did they prefer apples or bananas or plums? Once in a great while, Noy put an entire pineapple on the altar, and I wondered how they would eat it. I always expected the fruit to disappear, and when it did not, I marveled at the ancestors' lack of hunger and their self-control. I tried to work up the nerve to pluck off just one grape, but I feared my dead relatives would tell on me. Buddha might snap open his eyes and let my grandmother know that his food had been disrespected. The thought kept me at bay, circling the altar like a nighttime prowler. The fruit might as well have been protected behind glass, the dusty grapes turning into jewels. Yeah, that's a selection from Stealing Buddha's Dinner by Bitmin Nguyen. Again, her last name is, is spelled N-G-U-Y-E-N. It's been selected by the Michigan Humanities Council as the Great Michigan Read for this year. And elsewhere in the book, she talks about, as, as I mentioned before, coming of age in Grand Rapids in the 1980s and marveling at the exotic American foods like Pringles and things like that and the, the great big mustache on that Mr. Pringles guy in the can and, and her, her identity, looking for her identity in a new culture, and, and so many other things. That is that book, and I'm, I'm very intrigued by that. I'm still reading it, 
keep you posted on that too. Meanwhile, this is one of my favorite fruits, a blueberry, and it's on a hill, and it's an instrumental version. I just heard a rumor I want to pass along to you, a rumor that the next show will be all Fats Waller. I believe that is true, isn't it? I think so. That's Arwolf and Face the Music coming up in five minutes with all Fats Waller. In the meantime, from the album Mose Allison Sings, it's what else? An instrumental. That was Blueberry Hill. And we're wrapping up Pandora's Lunchbox in a bow. And we're going to end now with a few pieces of information. This from the Sleepy Eye Police Department. Wouldn't that be a great name for a novel? But in fact, there is a city called Sleepy Eye in Minnesota. The Sleepy Eye Police Department is investigating after Snoopy's nose and the heart Linus held in his hand were taken from statues in town. The special Linus statue that stands outside the Sleepy Eye Library was vandalized sometime last week. The I Love Sleepy Eye heart and nose, along with an outdoor light, were taken. The statue was in honor of Linus Morer, a Sleepy Eye native who taught cartooning with Charles Schultz at a Minneapolis art school. 
The Linus character in Schultz's long-running Peanuts comic strip was inspired by Linus Morer. The sleepy-eye mayor... I'm the sleepy eye mayor, is offering a reward for information that helps lead to the return of the missing parts. Anyone with information should contact the sleepy eye police department. And on a final peanut note here. Oh, that's the banana story. Sorry. The, uh, oh, for goodness sake. Here we go. Wait. Okay, we talked about bananas, and now from the Houston Chronicle, Arnie Murphy, Houston's famed peanut dude, has died at the age of 61. This is from the Chronicle. He was remembered for the marksmanship, flair, charity, and showmanship that made the simple act of ordering a bag of peanuts a highlight of attending Astros games. Once described by People magazine as the Pedro Martinez of peanut vendors, man vendors, Murphy learned the art of salesmanship while hawking peanuts at Cleveland Indians games as a teenager. He could chuck them in at 42 miles per hour, those peanuts, and in the parlance of big league pitchers, he could paint the corners with pinpoint accuracy. Arnie Murphy, Houston's famed peanut dude, has gone at the age of 61. That's what life is all about. Thank you for tuning into Pandora's Lunchbox. I've been Mike for at least as long as I can count. And coming up next, Arwolf will help you to face the music with uh, generous help of the wonderful Fats Waller. But we came in with vegetables. Let's go out with vegetables. From ashes to ashes, vegetables to vegetables. Here is the old soul doing the Beach Boys tune we heard earlier. It's WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Thank you. 
Thanks, Mike. It's 7 o'clock. This is WCBN-FM Ann Arbor, 88.3 megahertz. We are the voice of the underground intellectual resistance movement. Experimental Radio from the University of Michigan is run by students with lots and lots of community involvement. As part of our educational mission is to, uh, well, break all the rules of standard broadcasting, all of the preconceptions about radio. Radio, one of the most squandered, wasted resources in all of North America. We're here to change that. My name is R. Wolf, and I started playing Fats Waller records at WCBN in the late 1970s. In 1980, I was given this slot, Thursday from 7 to 8, in order to be able to, well, mainly to play Fats Waller records for people, and then I just took it from there. The show at that time was called You've Got to Be Modernistic, and Fats Waller is one of the two pianists sharing one piano on this recording from 1929. The other pianist is also the band leader, James P. Johnson. This is 